From TLDR News, this is your daily briefing for Thursday the 19th of January 2023. Good afternoon. In today's Spotlight story, we run through the ongoing French pensions debacle. This isn't the only thing happening in the world though, so we'll run through three of today's other important stories. And in our exclusive Nebula section, we explain updates in the Qatar corruption scandal. But first, why is the French government planning to raise the retirement age? Trade unions across France joined forces today in a mass mobilisation trying to bring the country to a standstill. Their ultimate goal is to force President Emmanuel Macron to scrap his controversial plans to reform France's pension system, which notably includes increasing the retirement age from 62 to 64. France's eight main trade unions have united for the first time in 12 years in total opposition to the plans, with support from left-wing political parties. Sectors including transport, energy, oil, education, health and more have all been affected. Yesterday, the government said it was calm, determined and committed in the face of the strikes, while Macron reportedly denounced the lies and untruths of the left during a meeting with ministers. So what exactly is the French government trying to do? The headline of the plan is to increase the retirement age from 62 to 64, gradually by 2030. The plan would also raise the minimum number of years that a person will need to work in order to be entitled to a full state pension to 43. This would come into force from 2027. The reforms would also end many so-called special regimes with different retirement ages for professionals including railway, electricity and gas workers. However, lower retirement ages would be maintained for certain other categories of workers, including police and firefighters whose jobs are deemed physically or mentally arduous enough. The government would also increase the guaranteed minimum pensions for low-income workers to 85% of the net minimum wage. France's pension system had been described as convoluted and Byzantine, with some 42 separate regimes. Macron promised to reform and streamline this system when he was elected in 2017, but his first attempt was shelved in 2020 amid public opposition and later the Covid pandemic. In his re-election campaign last year, he once again pledged a system overhaul. The reforms unveiled over a week ago would bring France's retirement age a little closer to its European counterparts. The government says the changes would bring in an extra 17.7 billion euros in revenues by 2030 and are necessary to ensure the pension system is financially viable and boost the workforce participation of people in their early 60s. Nevertheless, unions immediately announced their opposition and called for a day of national strikes against the quote unfair and unnecessary reforms. But it's not just the trade unions that oppose the plans. Recent polling suggests that some 68% of French people are against the government's proposals. Unions are hoping for a repeat of 1995, where prolonged disruptive strike action, backed with public support, forced the government of Jacques Chirac to scrap its proposed pension reforms. But to do so, they'll need to keep public opinion on their side. As well as facing a battle on the streets, Macron faces a battle in the National Assembly. 
both extremes of France's political spectrum in the form of Jean-Luc Mélenchon's left-wing alliance and Marine Le Pen's far-right national rally oppose the plans. As an added difficulty, Macron's alliance lost its parliamentary majority in the June elections last year, so will need to secure the support of the centre-right Republicans to pass the measures. If all else fails, he could resort to Article 49.3, a contentious constitutional measure that allows the government to bypass Parliament. Whether Macron succeeds in reforming the pension system or fails like numerous of his predecessors remains to be seen. Okay, so that's the biggest story of the day, but there's a lot more going on around the world. So here's a rundown of three other stories. Earlier this year, the case of David Carrick hit headlines. A serving police officer with the Metropolitan Police since 2001, he pled guilty to 49 charges, including 24 of rape at the end of 2022. On Monday, he pled guilty to another four charges of rape. Since this story hit national headlines, the Metropolitan Police themselves have been under the microscope. It was revealed that they knew about at least nine incidents where he was accused of rape and violent assault. Despite this, he was still allowed to continue working. In fact, despite the police knowing this, he passed vetting checks. Therefore, this week, it was announced that all police forces in the UK will check all officers and staff against national databases to identify any misogynistic predators who may have slipped through the net. In addition to this, the Home Secretary has asked for the code of practice for police vetting to be made stricter and clearer. There's more on the way, but be sure to subscribe and ring the bell to make the daily briefing part of your daily routine. Or just search for us on your podcast app to listen along. New Zealand's Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern announced today that she would resign on February the 7th, rather than seek re-election at the next general election, which is to be held on October the 14th. Ardern, who was first elected Prime Minister in 2017, aged 37, says she no longer has enough in the tank to lead. She said she'd spend time over the summer break considering her future, hoping to find the energy and heart to go on. But, she said, unfortunately I haven't, and I would be doing a disservice to New Zealand to continue. During her nearly six years in office, she oversaw the country's response to major events like the Covid pandemic, the Christchurch mosque shooting, and she also became the second elected world leader to give birth in office. Ardern described her years in office as the most fulfilling of her life, though leading through crises had been difficult. The Labour Party will elect a new leader on Sunday, and Ardern's successor will have to lead the centre-left party into the upcoming election, with polls suggesting they may have a difficult path ahead. Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has been dealt a blow after the country's Supreme Court voted 10 to 1 to revoke the appointment of one of his key allies as a senior minister in his government. Netanyahu had appointed Arya Derry, who is the leader of the ultra-Orthodox Shah's party, to a number of ministries including interior and health. But the Supreme Court said the appointment was extremely unreasonable, given Derry's previous criminal convictions, including one of tax fraud last year. The decision is likely to escalate the clash between the new government and the justice system and will likely prompt Netanyahu to accelerate his controversial plans to weaken the judiciary. Derry's Shah party called the decision arbitrary, unprecedented, political and tainted. 
At time of writing, Derry had made clear that he would not resign and would only go if fired by Netanyahu. If Netanyahu refuses to follow the court's order to fire him, then it would set up a further constitutional crisis. In the final uplifting story today, we discuss a kidney donation. Last April, Seren Jones from Cardiff was fortunate enough to receive a kidney after being told she needed a transplant. Her father, Arfon, was willing to give her a kidney, but was told that he wasn't a match, so she ended up receiving one from a donor. Still wanting to give back though, Arfon joined the NHS Living Donor Scheme and was told that he was a match. As such, he donated his kidney to another stranger in return. About this, he said, it felt like I'd given someone quite a nice Christmas present, and it was nice to know that I'm healthy enough to donate a kidney, given that I'm almost 70. That's all we have time for on YouTube today, but if you want to see our discussion of the Qatar corruption scandal, then watch the extended ad-free edition of the Daily Briefing over on Nebula. Now might be the time to do it, as there's an offer which gets you a year of membership for less than $1 a month. That's huge because Nebula subscribers not only get everything you've already watched ad-free, but also an extended edition of the show every single day, available to watch on Nebula or stream on your podcast app of choice. They also get access to a ton of other exclusive ad-free TLDR content, as well as videos from all your favourite creators. The good news is, like I mentioned, our friends at CuriosityStream, the streaming service which offers you some of the world's best documentaries, is offering an incredible deal whereby you can get both platforms, CuriosityStream and Nebula, for less than $12 a year. That's all the documentaries you could want on CuriosityStream, and then more TLDR content on Nebula, including the extended briefing, other full exclusive TLDR videos, and it's always ad-free. Click the link below to get both services for less than a dollar a month, a deal which doesn't last long, and support the channel.